0: this is God's Truth in Action.
1: Hey friends, welcome to the program. With me today is author and speaker, Chad Bird. And on the program, we're going to be talking about Lent and repentance. Chad, welcome to the program. Thanks, Matt. It's great to join
0: you. Looking forward to the conversation.
1: Yeah, me too. So, uh, let's pretend that those who are listening in have have very little familiarity with all things Christianity. and. Okay and yet they hear this word being thrown out uh, around this time of year, uh, as we get close to Easter, this word uh, that's it's not a common one, this word Lent, uh, and they're wondering what it is, and you've got just a, a minute or two to try and explain it to them. How in the world are you going to explain the concept of Lent to someone who has no idea, um, no frame of reference for it?
0: Yeah, let me, let me give it a shot. So you can think of it in terms of a season, okay? So we're all familiar with our four seasons, and in the church's life, It's set up to where the year is divided into different seasons, not, you know, winter, spring, fall, but seasons called Advent and Christmas and Epiphany, and one of them is called Lent. So it falls always in the spring of the year. It's leading up to Easter, to the celebration of our Lord's resurrection. And it's a time of preparation. It's traditionally a time that focuses upon the topic we're going to talk about today, repentance. But also it's it's associated with this idea oftentimes of, Kind of the, uh, what you might call the kind of the athletic side, spiritual athletic side of the Christian faith. That is, it's 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 about struggle, it's about uh, fighting temptation, it's about the, the 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 battles that we all face in this life as Christians. So it's a season. It's traditionally associated with kind of forty days, just like Jesus fasted forty days in the wilderness. So this these forty days of preparation, leading up to leading up to Easter. So it's a it's, it's a good contrast. Easter is all about joy and rejoicing in our Lord's resurrection. And then Lent always has a, a little bit more of a, of a subdued and somber tone to it. Uh, so it's a good contrast. And, you know, if you think about it, it, kind of reflects a lot of the seasons in our own life. You know, we go through maybe some periods of struggle. We also go through periods of joy. So this altar Alternation between Lent and Easter between struggle and victory between sorrow over sin and rejoicing over life that's kind of reflected in seasons like Lent and Easter and some of the other ones
1: now your your specialty your area of focus is in uh Hebrew and the Old testament is there is there any parallel in the Old Testament to this season that that Christians now observe uh called Lent yeah somewhat uh so in, in the
0: life of Israel, in the life of God's Old Testament people, they also had, they didn't necessarily have seasons, but they did have holy days. And many of these were associated with a, a feast, a festival. So, of course, anytime you have a feast, it's a time of being happy and rejoicing over God's gifts. But there were also what you might call a, a, a fast, so the, kind of the opposite of a feast. Uh, and one of, the, one of the big days for this was, was called the Day of Atonement. In Hebrew, it was Yom Kippur, and that was a day actually of, of fasting, and that is somewhat parallel to to the idea of Lent. It was a, it, and and it still is among uh, among Jews today. It's it's a time of of repentance. In fact, the days leading up to Yom Kippur for for Jews are are days of repentance and reflection and fasting. And so, in that way, the Old Testament Yom Kippur was kind of like a an abbreviated Lent, if you will. It wasn't an entire 40 days, but it was a day for thinking about your sin, for confession, for reflection. Uh, it was the only day, in fact, in the life of Israel where there was a mandated fast. So everyone was to fast during this particular day. So in that way, yeah, it did kind of have this, uh, this parallel in the Old Testament. And we see Maybe not every year, but we see these periods in Israel's life where there was fasting and mourning and and grieving. It might be over a a national disaster or it might be over just a kind of a a period in Israel's life when there was a need for this kind of national public repentance. But we do see this, this theme of feasting and fasting, of repenting and rejoicing reflected in Israel's life. And so that then continues in the life of the church today.
1: So if the, if the season of Lent is about, um, recognizing your, your sin, recognizing your, your struggles as a human being, uh, perhaps, you know, recognizing your mortality, how, how does that help one's spirituality? How is that an, an asset to their, their faith experience? How, how is that a, how is that a good thing? Right.
0: Cause on the surface, you're like, how, how could that be good? Right. That does not yeah. sound like fun. No, it doesn't. doesn't. And, and I, and I do think that that kind of assumption that we have reflects uh, an attitude that's, you know, very common in our culture, that it's, it's the good times, it's the happy times when we tend to think that we are kind of making progress in life and that life is as it should be. And we tend to view the opposite times as not good for us, right? Times of struggle, those, those can't be good for us. So that's, I think that's kind of our initial reaction. But when you, even when you pause to think about your own life, you realize that isn't true. Because I mean, completely apart from Christianity, completely apart from religion, we've, every person has been through a trying time in their life. And maybe it was brief. Maybe it was a long period. And then as time goes on, most people are able to look back and say, you know what? That was hard. That was really difficult. But through it, I learned more about myself. Maybe I developed a little bit more patience and love with and toward other people, in other words i I grew as a person in the midst of that struggle, that loss that I experienced. okay, well, you take that and you you plug that same understanding into the Christian life and you'll see that it's it's the same with, same with us. I mean the reason that we're thinking about our mortality, the reason we're thinking about struggle and our, our need for for confession is because well, let me put it really basically. It brings us face to face with the truth that we are not God. That we are we're, we're humans and we're frail, we're fragile, we mess up all the time and in and of ourselves we're inadequate. We need we need God. We need him to carry us through these times of struggle. We need him to give us his strength in our times of weakness. And more than anything else, because we are mortal, because you know every day we're like it or not, we're inching our way toward the grave, we need his life, and so these bring us face to face with the truth that we're not God, but at the same time we have a God who loves us in Jesus Christ, who gives us life in Jesus Christ, and who promises to bear us through these times of struggle so in an ironic sort of way, in these times of weakness is when we realize our greatest strength, and that greatest strength is outside of us in God, in Christ. And that's a, that, that's a fantastic realization because then we, we tend to take our focus off ourselves and more, focus more upon God and his gracious actions in our lives.
1: There, there are two seasons like this on the Christian calendar. There's Lent and then there's, there's Advent. And, and, and they're, they're both what we'd call these these penitential seasons or these seasons. As you put it earlier, uh, I like the analogy of going to the gym where you purposely do the hard stuff that, that, that can result in growth, right? Yeah. Um, looking inward at our, at our need for uh, forgiveness and our mortality and our weakness. And, and you said, I like what you said, I wrote it down. It brings us faiths face-to-face with the truth that we are not God. Now, I'm assuming that it's on purpose that these seasons where we confront the truth that we are not God, they serve as a runway to these other seasons that give us the reality of God. So Advent is a runway to the season of Christmas where God arrives for us, Um, and then Advent Lent is the runway to Easter, where God uh, dies and rises for us. Um, am I am I correct in that connection of of these these seasons serve as a runway to prepare us for the reality of who God is after we've reflected on on how we are not Him?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, so you you put those two together. You put Christmas in, in here, and then you put uh, Easter here. And you're really looking at you're be, looking at the, the beginning and end of Christ's work of saving us, right So at Christmas he comes to become one of us, so that right. he who is the Son of God comes down and he becomes the son of Mary, so that he's not only fully God but he's fully human, so now he's one of us. Mm-hmm. and then you look at Easter, and this is when he rises from the tomb having been crucified. so this is these these are kind of the 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 twin poles of his ministry, and then we have these seasons leading up to them we have. Advent leading up to his birth, we have Lent leading up to his resurrection. Yeah, these are these seasons as you say are penitential seasons. They 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 point out our need for forgiveness, they point out our sin, and but they're leading us really away from ourselves and into Jesus and who he is and what he's what he's done for us. I love I, I love your language of runway too. It's it's the it's the path the road the runway that takes us from where we are to where God wants us to be, and, and 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 fascinatingly, where God wants us to be is always always in Christ. That's that's where He continually leads us. We we tend to be, you know, very focused on ourselves. <laughs> I mean, I'm that way. Everybody's that way. We we kind of get wrapped up in our own little uh, little bubble, our own little world. And God's activity within us is always to kind of lift our heads from navel-gazing, lift our heads from looking at ourselves and being so focused on me, 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 and to point us away from ourselves and to the face of Christ, where we see a Savior who loves us, a Savior who wants us to be with him, a Savior who forgives us and gives us life and salvation, so by pulling us away from ourselves in these seasons of Advent and Lent, God is leading us really not just to where He wants us to be, but the place that's actually best for us. You now we were created to be in this union with God, and that's what we have in Christ. So it's, it's not as if we're sort of leaving our, our humanness, leaving, leaving that behind. We're actually coming to the to the point where God, who has created us as humans, wants us to be. So, I, I would put it this way: true human flourishing, true human flourishing is found in Jesus Christ, because here is where God finally puts us to where exactly He wants us to be, in union with Himself, in the person of His Son.
1: So, so in that process, in that in that journey of being led away from ourselves and 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 toward Christ, um, being led f- away from our our our, our navel gazing and obsession with ourselves to being found in Christ. Um, uh, there's this this practice, uh, this call to something that we we know as repentance. Um, again, pretending the people listening have no familiarity with with any of the stuff we're talking about how would you describe what repentance is and what role does that play, not just in journeys like the journey of Lent or Advent, but in the Christian life in general?
0: Yeah, uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, that I uh, learn and study and talk about Hebrew. So uh, let me give you a Hebrew, good Hebrew word. that, And it's a very concrete word that's connected to repentance that that I return to over and over because I think it just kind of sums up very well what repentance means. So in Hebrew, there's a word, called shuv, and it, its basic meaning is to turn or to return. In other words, you're, you're going one direction, and now you're going to be going another direction. Or you've been moving away from something, and now you're going to return. So you're going to turn from the direction you had been going, and you're going to come back to where you were. So shuv is to turn or to return. It just so happens that that is the Hebrew word for repentance. Hmm. So in Hebrew, to repent is to stop going the direction you're going and to be brought back to the place that God wants you to be. So, of course, throughout our lives, we're, we're moving. We're going here. We're going there. We're doing this. We're doing that. And we're all familiar with getting lost. We're all familiar with going the wrong direction, even just. On a, you know, we're we're supposed to be meeting someone somewhere. We get lost. We turn down the wrong street, or maybe we're going the complete opposite direction. So we're all familiar with that. All familiar with getting lost. And sin is kind of like that. We we lose our way. We get lost from where God wants us to be. You know, we we have all sorts of metaphors for that, for this, right? You know, we we go we're going down the wrong path. We often say so. We need to get off of that and get back to where we need to be. So that's kind of sums up our lives we're always getting lost we're going the wrong way and so what God is doing when he calls us to repentance is he's getting us away from this wrong direction and he's turning us he's returning us to come back and we always come back to him that's key you know, our sin is always moving away from God in one, one direction or another we're moving away from him and so when God calls us to repentance he's calling us home Come back to me. Stop going that way because that way is going to lead only in death or in in all sorts of problems for you. So come back to me because I am where you you want to be. That's basically what repentance is. Now, a really cool thing here about, about the Hebrew is that in the vast majority of occasions, when this Hebrew word shuv, which means to turn or return or repent, when it's used God, this is the interesting part, God is usually the subject. So here's what's going on. When God will say, repent, but what God does is he repents us. He turns us. He returns us. So just like one of the parables that Jesus told was about a lost sheep. And what happened? Did the sheep find its way home? No, no. What, what happened? Well, the shepherd went out and he found the sheep and he brought the sheep home. In Hebrew, we would say that he shoved the sheep. That is to say, he repented the sheep. He he brought this lost sheep home. So that's the really amazing and grace-filled aspect of what repentance is, is that God calls us to repentance, and then God affects, he makes happen our repentance by bringing us back, by turning us, by returning us to, to himself. So we get lost, and God finds us. We go the wrong way, God brings us home. And that just shows how much he cares for us. That he's not going to say, "Well, pff, you know, too bad for you. Hope you find your way home." No, he's going to search us out. He's going to find us. And he's going to bring us back to where he wants us to be.
1: So, so would would it be safe to say then, re- repentance is kind of giving up on this road you're 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 walking down of of, of sin and kind of giving in or letting go and and are falling into what, where God is turning you, which is, which is toward him, right? Like it's, yeah. it, it's it, cause he's, he's doing the work. He's calling you, he's leading you to him and he's pulling you away from your sin. And the act of repentance is like, I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to let go here and, and give into what God is doing. God's doing this and I'm I'm going to let him turn me around toward Jesus. Is that? Yes. Yeah. Theologically yeah. Appropriate? I, mean, I don't
0: know. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great way to think about it. I mean, it's, It's a a gift received from God, but it's also something we're doing. So it's it's also going on at the same time. I mean, I guess you could compare it, and maybe it's not the perfect analogy, but okay, if if I fall in love with someone, I'm doing that falling in love, right? I mean, it's not somebody else falling in love, so I'm the one falling in love. But at the same time, just listen to the words we use, right? I fall into love. I don't jump into it. I don't climb into it. I fall into it. So I'm doing it, but at the same time, I'm sort of, also passively receiving this, yeah. it just it happens to me and it's it 's hard to explain and understand, but I know it 's real it 's kind of like mm. that we we sort of fall into repentance, you might say, mm. God makes it happen we 're doing it, but at the same time he 's the one who is achieving this for us
1: yeah there's very there 's very clearly this 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 force greater than myself acting upon me from the outside, right, like calling me like drawing me towards towards something different. Um, you, you, know, you, you mentioned uh, the story that Jesus tells about the lost sheep and, and the, uh, the, the, the man goes and finds the sheep. But in, in that same section of Scripture, there's the story of the prodigal son. And as you were talking about the story about going down one road and then turning around and going, turn around and going a different road, the, the image that came to mind for me is that prodigal son who's off following his own, his own road, his own path, but then he comes home to his father. Now, in, in that story, that the dad doesn't go and get him uh, but but would you say that in that story, it's it's the it's the knowledge that the son had of the character and the heart and who his father was that helped to call him back home to this place of being received back? I mean, where, where's the agency of the father who's who's God in this story? Where's the and in, in, in his involvement in turning the son around?
0: Is there Not is there a, any connection there? Sure, that's a fascinating story. I think that well, there's so much going on there. I'll, I'll try and summarize what I think is happening. So uh, for those who don't know the story, there's a son who basically gets his inheritance from his father before his father dies. He goes into faraway country and he just basically squanders everything and he's penniless. And so he, he hires himself out to work feeding pigs, which in that society would have been considered basically, you know, the lowest of the low kind of occupations. And then he kind of comes to himself, and he's like, you know what? My father's servants back home, they have they have plenty to eat and here I am feeding pigs and hungry so he decides to go home but here's key, here's what's key he says to himself, he kind of has this inner monologue, he says you know what I'll do I'll go back and I'll tell my dad that I'm no longer worthy to be called a son but he can make me a servant and kind of implied in that is if I'm a servant I can kind of begin to maybe impress him and work my way back maybe to accept the family so he goes home and so he's He's going home because he knows his dad is not going to slam the door in his face, Mm -hmm. but he's also kind of working the angles, if you will. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to make myself a servant and maybe I can, you know, earn his favor again. And then his dad, when he sees him coming, he runs, which never would have happened in that culture. You know, Mm -hmm. a a grown, I'm a runner. (laughs) Many, many people listening to this probably runners, but in that culture, you would not see, you would not see a, a father, a Jewish father running in his robes down the road, especially to meet his son. But that's what he does. And when he gets to his son, the son kind of begins this confession and the father just cuts him off. He doesn't even let him get to the point of saying, you know what? Make me your servant. He throws his arms around him. He, he's weeping. He's rejoicing because his son is back. And he says, let's throw a feast because my son was dead and his alive. He was lost and his found. It was the love of the father that drew him back. And yet he was kind of still in that in-between phase and his father's expression of full acceptance and full love for him is what finally, I think, finally brought him to that true repentance. It was in that moment in which they embraced and he realized he didn't have to be a servant. His his dad embraced him as if he had never been gone. His dad embraced him as one who was forgiven and loved. And that Realization of this this love of the Father is finally what brought home to this prodigal i think what what, we really love, what real love is what what forgiveness really is it's God embracing us and not just happy that we're back but so happy he wants to throw a party to celebrate our our return
1: and and in some sense, you know I, I guess you could say that that's that's the journey that Christians are embarking on. In some sense, during the season of of Lent, uh, yeah. and we're kind of we're making that journey, right?
0: Yeah, we're, that's kind of what Lent is. It's the journey home. And when we get there, what do we encounter? We don't encounter a God who's wagging his finger at us, or a God who says, "Well, if you do these five or ten things, then I'll take you back." We find a God who runs to us, embraces us, and says, "You're my child. I love you. Nothing will ever change that." You are your mind. That's that's the embrace of God is embrace of us on Easter.
1: Hmm. For people who want to learn more about the stuff that you write and the things that you put out, wh- where can they go?
0: Yeah, I think the best place to go is at 1517.org. I work for 1517, and I have a, a part of their website that's that's all my articles, so you can check those out. You can also look me up on Facebook. And I post daily on Facebook, and uh, you can find my material there as well.
1: And you recently released a daily devotional filled with insights from the Old Testament Hebrew. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. the devotional is called Unveiling Mercy, and it's 365 daily devotions. So every day of the year, I'll take a different Hebrew word or phrase, and I'll have the Hebrew characters there. But, of course, everything else is in English. You don't need to know anything about Hebrew to, yeah. uh, to profit from this. And then each devotion will will explain the Hebrew word, and more importantly, it will connect it. Every single one of them will connect it to the to the New Testament and the work of Christ. So it bridges that that uh, that the, bridges from the Old Testament to the New Testament to show how the Old Testament is leading us to to Christ. Yeah, that's Unveiling Mercy.
1: And people can grab that at Amazon.com and, yep. and a whole bunch of other places. Com.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah. Wherever you get your Christian books, it uh, it
1: should be there. Awesome. Hey, Chad, it's always great to talk to you. Always great to see you. Thanks so much for spending a little bit of time today talking Lent and repentance and some other things. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Matt. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And uh, thank you to our listeners for tuning in and being a part of this conversation. We hope that you will join us next time. Thanks, guys.
0: Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries. Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410 or visit our website at elmhouston.org or find us on Facebook at Evangelical
1: Life Ministries. Thank you.